And here we go with another installment of Banker with a Beer presented by Northwestern Bank. I'm Scott across the way. As always is Jerry. Jerry, how's it going? 85 degrees, Scott. At the it's time of this recording. 85 degrees. This is this is stellar. Remember this, though. It's at the time of this recording. Somebody could be listening. It could be 30 degrees when they listen, but it allows them to think warm thoughts if the weather isn't good. And it also justifies a really cool beverage. So we're good to go in that route as well. I was going to say, we, we've got two great guests here and, and, a, and a very meaningful topic in this area and actually across the country uh, but we will be discussing that with a refreshing beverage uh, when I walked in today because it's warm outside I I had my fingers crossed that this was not going to be an oatmeal stout uh, edition of the program uh, this this calls for more of a thirst quencher well our guest requested I think it was a spotted cow and maybe like a summer shanty or, or a honey vice and both great beverages, I, I, I'll admit that. But I, we try to expand people's beverage palette on Banker with the Beer. And so what I came up with is a a cloche. Now, Scott knows my usual go-to is a Saison for summers for other than IPAs. But a cloche is kind of a, a very light ale. It tastes like kind of like a lager, but it was very refreshing, very crisp. Uh, this is from Cologne, Germany. It's going to be the Reisendorf. So I hope you enjoy this one. I think it'll be tasty. So uh, with that, uh, that's going to be our beverage. But we've got a great topic and great guest today. So we're going to be talking about homelessness and meeting homelessness. And uh, there is a wonderful um, activity going on in Chippewa Falls now called Hope Village. And they are addressing homelessness in a unique way. Uh, I don't want to give away too much of, of what, what they're doing, but you'll find out about this in this program. And we have two folks from Hope Village who are here to help us. Uh, Mike Cahoon, he's the executive director of Hope Village, and Jessica Olson-Boo, is that correct, from Chippewa County Housing Authority. So uh, I'll start pouring the beverages if you can bring uh, Mike and Jessica on board. Well, let's do exactly, uh, exactly that. We'll start off with Mike. Tell us a little bit about uh, yourself. Yeah, so I am a lifelong resident of Chippewa Falls. Went away for a couple of years to lacrosse to go to school. Um, I've been a pastor at Landmark Christian Church for the last 22 years. Prior to that, I was in business at Jim Carter Ford and uh, currently serving as the executive director at Hope Village. So my family's from Chippewa, uh, Chippewa County, over 100 years of history of the Cahoon family in Chippewa County. And then uh, Jessica, tell us a little bit about yourself there. All right, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm Jessica Olson-Bue, and I grew up, uh, I'm a Wisconsin resident through and through. I grew up in Barron County and uh, came to Eau Claire for college uh, for my undergrad and uh, fell in love with the Chippewa Valley. And so uh, I've been pretty much in the Chippewa Valley ever since then. So I've been with the Chippewa County Housing Authority about uh, four years, going on four and a half years. Uh, time really flies. So it's, it's really fun to be involved with such a, a tight-knit community and working on uh, affordable housing uh, issues in, in the community, which is something I've always been uh, passionate about. And uh, as the last couple beverages are being poured here by, uh, by Jerry, I know we're all thirsty. Quickly, and we'll dive much more into it, tell us a little bit about Hope Village. Yeah, so Hope Village is a 501c3 organization that started in January of 2016. 
we went through our first phase, which was building 10 tiny houses, working with the city to get special use permits, and um, five local churches that agreed to host our tiny houses since we didn't have a property. So we're into our seventh year now. Uh, second phase was we bought some property and we purchased an old oral surgery building. Jessica helped us write a grant that the city um, invited us to write with them that gave us funding to, to uh, remodel that building and to put in some infrastructure for the 10 tiny houses, plus our next phase, which is building some affordable housing. Well, the beverages have been poured. Here we go, everybody. Uh... Oh, Jerry, I'm not gonna lie. That's that's not gonna last. That's that's very good. Warm day. This is this is a nice beverage. So, um, not very quite nice. winey's nor spotted cow, but. A clash, is, and the other thing about it, it kind of dissolves off your tongue, so it doesn't have that lingering taste. So it just kind of hits you and then dissolves and goes away. So they're, they're really refreshing beer for the summertime. You guys didn't tell us how to drink with the mic in front of our mouth. I just move the mic a little out of the way, <laughs> then put it back, see, out of the way, then right there. Uh, you know, I have to clean them later on regardless, so away we go. Uh, we're going to dive so much uh, into this, uh, but it's, it's a rather unique thing. I know I've seen this around uh, the country, this, this idea of utilizing the, the smaller, tiny, tiny homes. Really, where did the idea, the furnace for this idea, start from to, to bring it uh, to Chippewa Falls? Yeah, I think back in 2014, um, starting points in the Harmony House had lost their funding, so they had to close their doors. So they were the local Chippewa Falls homeless shelter. They had some other programs too, a community covered. Um, they oversaw Agnes Table. And so a group that I was involved in, the Chippewa Falls Mission Coalition, which is a group of 17 uh, churches currently and probably as many social agencies, we did a community forum to try to figure out how we could resolve the situation that was left behind with the closing of Harmony House and starting points. And very quickly, Agnes Table got picked up by a group, and that has kept going ever since. But sheltering folks is a little bit more difficult than feeding folks. So that's kind of where it started. Um, we floated the idea amongst a lot of other ideas. And uh, in 2016, we decided to build a tiny house and show it to churches and civic organizations and see if that idea would take off, and it did, so. So why tiny houses versus apartments? I mean, what, what, why, why is this model um, unique to this area? Or it's been tried elsewhere. How did you come to about starting with tiny houses? So um, apartments, so we're looking at building some units now, and they're not inexpensive, and they weren't seven years ago, but we built our first tiny house for $5,000. And the idea was that there were three um, agencies that were using motel vouchers to fill the gap. So those motel vouchers at the time were probably $70, 
and now they're eighty dollars so ten days in a motel at eighty dollars is eight hundred dollars um, if you look at a hundred days in a motel it's eight thousand dollars and that money's gone well for the same eight thousand we could build a tiny house and use it over and over and over again and we started building small houses eight foot by twelve and the idea was that we could house single men and women or maybe couples but the motel vouchers could be used for larger families then well, that makes sense then so who's eligible um, anybody in the area that's homeless that's the big thing of course um, we are looking at that portion of the homeless population that has shown a desire to improve their life and make progress. So besides the housing, we um, provide each household with a navigator who puts together what we call a secure living plan that has three goals, finding an income, uh, getting reconnected to their health resources, and then f eventually finding permanent housing. So they have to agree to work on these goals weekly. And we match them up with two mentors, and the mentors and the navigators help them through this process. So being homeless is number one, but we there's, there's such a large group of homeless people, and some are just tired of the situation, and they want to make progress. So that's the group that we do work with. Getting uh, Jessica involved here. And again, drink the beverages, folks. It's, it's very tasty. It's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but getting, uh, getting Jessica involved here, we always sort of hear, you know, there's, there's an issue in the area. But from your perspective, you know, break that down, coalesce that a little more, the, the issue with housing mm -hmm. in the area. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a multifaceted problem, right? I mean, we could talk about this all night. I won't keep you here all night. Um, but if we're talking about homelessness in particular, uh, Mike and I are both part of the Chippewa County Council on Homelessness and Hunger. And so this group has been meeting for many, many, many years, you know, much before my time there. But um, in 2020, we decided to start keeping track of. So this is a group of agencies that all work in Chippewa County, mostly Chippewa Falls. Um, and get together and they either, you know, offer um, services, a variety of services. Um, so food pantries are involved, um, a workforce resource, uh, Mike, of course, with Hope Village, uh, the Housing Authority, which I represent, uh, a really a variety of agencies uh, that participate in this council. So we meet monthly and we talk about um, homelessness and hunger issues, right? And so we um, wanted to draw attention to the issue of homelessness and so uh, what we decided to do uh, back in 2020 was to to take a look at our records and see, you know, how many people are we seeing walking through the door who are identifying as being homeless or at risk of homelessness? They're about to lose their housing and they're looking for help. And so agencies had looked back at that time um, at 2019 uh, and we figured out kind of a cumulative total and determined, you know, in 2019, 
this group of agencies as a whole, on average, we were seeing um, 71 uh, individuals or families uh, every month who were identifying as homeless um, or at risk of becoming homeless. And so uh, we've been tracking that data ever since. In 2020, uh, it, it really skyrocketed uh, with the pandemic and, and the group of agencies as a whole saw 181 individuals every single month who were identifying as homeless or at risk of homelessness um, seeking services. Uh, in 2021, we decided to start breaking out uh, the numbers. And so not only, you know, how many people are you seeing, but how many people are you helping? And how many people are leaving because the need is, is not met um, due to lack of resources or um, they're not eligible or you know, whatever the case may be. Um, so it's pretty simple. Every month we get together and um, you know, talk about a variety of things, but we also track this information. So in 2021, uh, we went from 181 individuals uh, every month uh, visiting local agencies, looking for help, looking for services to, to 223. Um, that's the year we started tracking, you know, how many are met and how many are unmet. So every month uh, in 2021, there was about 59 people turned away uh, that weren't be able to be served. Uh, there weren't you know, the resources to assist them. Um, in 2022, uh, we saw even more people every month, 271 uh, individuals or families every single month you know, coming in uh, um, to seek services and having to turn away 103 of those families. So again, this is a whole group of agencies that are collecting this information, but um, what, you know, what we're seeing the, the first part of this year is, is right in line with 2022. So going from 2019, seeing 71 every month, this group of agencies, to now you know, uh, nearing 300. Uh, people and families every month. Yeah, obviously, the, <coughs> the 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 numbers and facts uh, speak for themselves. How do you how do you handle the 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 very real stigma of people wanting uh, uh, of the community as a whole wanting to help out those that are homeless? Uh, the old adage, uh, you know, in our culture of pick yourself up by the the bootstraps, uh, you know. The, People always say it's not a problem until it is a problem with somebody in the homeless population moving, uh, moving about. So how do you combat the stigma? Some of it real, a lot of it very much not real. I think, well, I'll, I'll start and then you'll have a lot to say too, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, for us, when we're working with these families, uh, they're, they're our friends. They're our neighbors. It's, it's our neighbor's daughter who's going through a rough time, just went through a divorce. Or, um, you know, a, a woman in her 60s who lost her husband and now is on a fixed income and, and not able to work. And so uh, there, there certainly is a stigma, but we, we don't always see that because we work so closely with this population that, that we see that these are people just like us. Any one of us could go through a life event and become at risk of losing our housing. Uh, any one of us could. Yeah, I think the stigma comes in that if you see a homeless person who's dealing with a situation, you connect that situation to their homelessness. But in fact, whether you're housed or homeless, the same problems exist in both populations. So sometimes you hear, well, homeless people are alcoholics. Well, guess what? There's people in your neighborhood living in houses that are too. Um, so that stigma kind of exists. And what we do is look at, well, 
homeless just simply means you don't have a roof over your head. Everything else is equal across the board. Um, so there are some people who are homeless that are dealing with some significant problems, just like people in houses are. Um, and then there's other people who are just simply down on their luck for the time being. And I think it's easy for us because during the time we house someone at Hope Village, they're not just a homeless person. They become our friends. They become people that we associate with, that we work with, that we love on. And um, Jessica had mentioned maybe somebody in their 60s who lost a husband. I'm amazed at the amount of grandmas that we've housed at Hope Village. There's almost always an elderly woman at Hope Village. Um, currently, we have nine adults and 12 children at Home Village. So there's often families that have um, children. We have a mom right now, a single mom of five, who had to leave a domestic situation. Well, she's a preschool teacher. So she has five children to get off to school. She goes and teaches preschool during the day. And to make sure her certificates are up to date, she's taking classes besides. Um, so her situation, what we're going to run into is because of the size of her family, it's going to be difficult to find affordable housing for her and her family. And that really is a roadblock about what we do. We can get people connected to income sources, get connected to their health sources, but we really, really struggle with finding affordable housing just because the supply is so small. Well, I think it was really important there, and I'll let Jerry ask questions because I, I know Jerry's been biting, champing at the bit, but I, I really like that answer from you because I think everybody's got in their head this sort of characterization of uh, somebody that's homeless, somebody that's riding the rails with uh, you know, a stick over their shoulder and a little bag there, but it's very much real people. And it could be grandma. This, I, I, the, the story of the mother with the five kids. It's, it's, it's people that have a job but cannot still afford uh, a house uh, in the area. So it's not just whatever characterization we may have in our head from uh, a cartoon. Well, um, so from, you know, Jessica, it was interesting with some of the demographic information that, that, that you were sharing, at least the statistics. What of these numbers are folks, do you track are these, are they from Chippewa County, the Chippewa Valley? Are there folks coming from outside the area? Um, what do you see in terms of these folks, in terms of where they come from? We don't track that in particular. You know, the, the data that we're collecting, we try to make it easy for agencies to participate so we can get some useful data. So um, agency, individual agencies might be tracking uh, where folks are coming from, but in all in all, I can speak for the housing authority and what we see. Uh, people that we see walking through our door, getting on our waiting list for rental assistance, uh, who are identifying as homeless, are about to become homeless, they're local residents. They're local to Chippewa County. And, and so really, you know, there's this idea sometimes that people might flood in from other communities um, to stay in the, in the tiny houses. And let me tell you, they're not what you see on HGTV. So I don't think you might want to, you know, flood in from your own house if, if you have one. But um, we're, we're really seeing local people. So I can't speak for all of this, you know, combined data from all the agencies. 
but at the Housing Authority, we're seeing uh, predominantly local and, people. And the same with Hope Village. So we see people from the Chippewa Valley, but our special use permits through the city, they had that in mind. If you build it, people will come from other places. So they did put a stipulation in our special use permit. We can house people from the Chippewa Valley, but they have to have some connection, um, some pre-existing connection to the area. So somebody couldn't move here from Chicago unless they move from Chicago because they have children here that they're trying to reconnect with. So at they have a pre-existing connection. Now one comment I've heard and kind of speaks to um, Scott's item about stigma is that, well, you know, if, if you drive through Chippewa Falls or even Eau Claire, there are uh, help wanted signs all over the place. You know, how come with, with uh, more jobs being available than ever before, these numbers are rising? And are, is that, are these true, true and unrelated, or is there a connection here or not? I, I don't think they're related at all. Our economy continues to grow, uh, which is a wonderful thing. And, uh, of course, the, the baby boomers are retiring and leaving the workforce. But most of the people that we see are, in fact, working. So the cost of living continues to increase. And even when you're working, if you're a single mom with five kids in daycare, I mean, that's, it, it's a struggle. It's a struggle for many people uh, to make ends meet, even with two-income household. One thing you did say, sorry, Mike, but uh, I just want to get back to the numbers a little bit. You said back in, you know, uh, 2019, 71, now it was like 250. Obviously, the pandemic happened in there. Any other reason why these numbers are, are growing at such a fast rate? I just think that um, there just seems to be a, a disconnect, I think, and folks are struggling. It's like the pandemic put them a little bit in a hole and they're just having a hard time recovering from that. So everybody in this room, if we struggled with something and we didn't have the resources to get things leveled back out, I know that I have 50 friends that would come to my aid if I needed help financially or needed to have my car repaired. But we're talking about a group of people that's at a certain social economic level where they don't have friends that are in a position to, to reach out and, and help them. So I think once they get behind with a medical emergency or a car repair or behind on rent because they were sick because of COVID, that hole takes them longer to get out of than it would take us to get out of. And I think we're still seeing that. Getting back to Hope Village a little bit, right now I'm assuming it's 100% occupied. Is there a waiting list? And if how big would a facility or a Hope Village need to be to eliminate that list? Yeah, so we've got 11 houses right now. One's not quite complete, so it's not being used. So we have 10 houses that we've been using for the last year. We recently had somebody move out of a house, so it takes us a little bit of time to turn that house around. So nine of our houses are currently occupied. 
And out of those nine households, there's only one household that doesn't have an income that's not working. So these are people, again, that are working now. It might be that they're working at a restaurant or a fast food place or something like that. But we have we have um, a family that struggled um, last year, and they're just getting back on their feet. And he's a union carpenter, so he's making pretty good money. So again, getting back on their sleep, uh, on their feet, and looking for that housing, and that housing is just difficult to find. How is the Hope Village, I, I'm kind of envisioning it in my mind, I mean, it's, it's on the edge of the city, but it has city sewer water services and whatnot. How's it working out so far? Yeah, so it's working out really good. Um, so the tiny houses don't have sewer and water in them. They've never had water, running water to them. Um, we've had a porta potty in them when they were at the church. That was emptied inside the church daily. Uh, they had to come into the church for a water source to wash their dishes. We partnered with the Chippewa Valley YMCA, family YMCA. All of our guests got a card. They could go there daily to shower. And now that we're on site, the YMCA has decided through their scholarship program to give all of our families full memberships at the YMCA. Now that's important if you're living in an eight foot by 20 foot house with five kids. They just need space to run every once in a while. And the community building, which was an old oral surgery building, and we got um, some funding through a grant that Jessica wrote, and we were able to convert that into an area that has a meeting spot where families can just come in and relax and eat and play cards or put puzzles together or watch TV. Um, so that extends, of course, the size of their tiny house. And then we have four bathrooms, three of which have showers in that building. We have a laundry facility, and we have a kitchen. And then besides that, we have some office space and some classroom space. So now folks in the tiny house can come into the community building, cook meals, wash dishes, they're right there on site. They can do their laundry instead of having to go elsewhere. Um, so it's been a tremendous thing for them. The other thing is, is we never had a severe weather shelter. People had to leave the tiny houses because um, they're basically little campers. Um, but now we do have a shelter in the lower level of the community building. Well, that's great. As in, I think when this was first proposed in Chippewa Falls, I mean, there was you know, bit of anxiety, but I think people realized that there was a, a, an issue, you know, any n feedback about the neighbors or the neighborhood, uh, from what I've understood that everything has worked out really well so far. Yeah, it really has. Um, I remember the first permit that we got was in Lake Halley and I was a pastor at Landmark Christian Church and we sent out postcards inviting the neighborhood to come to a meeting so we could discuss this. And 50 people showed up. And 12 people people were just so in favor of it. And 25 people were, tell us more about it. But there were 12 people who were just angry as could be. And you could just see the fear in their I go to the Boundary Waters, and if I ran into a bear on a portage trail, you'd see fear in my eyes. Mm -hmm. It was that same kind of fear. 
So people think that helping folks dig out of a situation is really a good idea, but we just assume you do it in somebody else's neighborhood. So nimbyism is is alive and well even here in the Chippewa Valley. Yep. Last question. I know we're kind of getting short on time here, but can Hope Village be expanded, or is there a thought of a potential new site? Yeah, maybe Jessica could talk about the affordable housing aspect. Yeah, so I'm excited to be working with Hope Village in their next endeavor, which is the development of affordable housing units on that Hope Village property. So uh, rather than looking at expanding at this point in time, the, the biggest barrier that we're coming across um, to getting folks, because um, of course those tiny houses are transitional, right? You're not gonna live there forever. Uh, and hopefully not very long. You get stabilized, you get some support, you get some help, and uh, get back on your way to a more permanent situation so that somebody else uh, can be served in that tiny house. So uh, it's really an exciting endeavor. So instead of building more tiny houses at this point, which maybe you're still kind of working on and thinking about those church sites, but um, we're looking at development of affordable housing. So it's really difficult. We're in a, in a climate right now uh, where there's a limited supply of housing. There's low vacancy rates uh, in Chippewa County. Rental vacancies, 2.6%, really low uh, vacancy rates. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. We have a limited supply and we have a high demand. So a couple of things going on with the demand. You know, we have millennials who delayed home ownership and, and going out on their own who were coming of age during an economic recession and were more likely to stay with their parents longer are now entering the housing market. Um, the generation behind them, Generation Z, they're, they're coming of age, looking to get out on their own into the housing market. Um, so we have a limited supply, we have high demand, in itself creates a f- an affordability problem as well. So, um, w- you know, we're seeing high rents, high property values, uh, great time to sell your house if you're looking to make some money, but then again, you have to, to buy something unless you have extra properties to unload. Um, so we think with the development of uh, 28 units of affordable housing, we'll be able to turn people uh, more quickly into a permanent housing situation. Of course, 28 units isn't going to solve all the problems, but it's a very good start um, because it's it's very much needed in the Chippewa Valley. I think, too, you might have been asking about more tiny houses. So our permit allows us to have 10 tiny houses on the Hope Village site. We still hold the permits for those five churches, so we could have up to 10 more houses. We've been careful about building. We don't want to overbuild and just have those houses sit empty. So as we start seeing whether or not we need more houses we can build, we are in conversation with Barron County, with St. Croix County, with Pierce County, and just this last week, we started a conversation with a group called Ruth that I can't remember what it stands for, um, in Jackson County, Trempolo County, and Buffalo County. So all of those counties are looking at possibly doing something with tiny houses for their homeless situation. Well, Mike and Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a great conversation and kind of enlightening uh, a situation that's a struggle, but thank you for your efforts in in addressing it as 
is the best way you possibly can. So really appreciate it. Um, thank you for listening to uh, Scott and I talk with Jessica and Mike today over a beer today. If you like what you've heard, please give Banker with a Beer a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about us and join us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Northwestern Bank website, or wherever you listen to your podcast from. Bank with a Beer is sponsored by Northwestern Bank, building stronger communities where people matter.